It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. One for three. One for three? Or yeah, one and that's two? That's what I meant. One for three. Oh, one for three. Yeah, that's what I meant. <laughs> USC, baby. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 692 of Locked On Raptors for Monday, March the 30th. I am your host, Sean Woodley of Raptors.com for the rest of the month, which is just a couple more days. So please make sure you're checking out Raptors.com and the Raptors app for all of my work from this past month, including the greatest Raptors of all, or greatest Raptors individual performances of all time bracket, which is still going on. And the final will be up on Thursday. You can find me on Twitter as well at Woodley Sean. You can find the show at Lockdown Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And of course, please make sure you are checking out the Lockdown Podcast Network. We've got so much stuff going on right now. Creative, excellent content coming from all of the hosts covering the big four sports teams as well as the big college programs. It's tough going right now, but Lots of really fun, outside-the-box, creative stuff is coming out of our hosts right now, so please give them a, a little bit of a support by subscribing to, rating, and reviewing uh, on all of the platforms on which you use your podcast or listen to your podcast. is very much appreciated when you do that. All right, on today's show, I'm going through it today. It's Monday. I'm not feeling awesome. I think I'm starting to go a little bit crazy from being inside, and so joining me to calm me down, I guess, and also talk about... Uh, some stuff that the NBA is maybe planning on doing to try to get their league back in order. We're going to talk a little bit about Jonas Valanciunas as well. It is our pal, Big V, Vivek Jacob. What's up, man? Nothing much. Same old. Uh, keeping up the isolation. Keeping up uh, the daily routine, which I'm now in, I'm glad to say, because I think the initial phase of just trying to figure out what the heck I'm supposed to do with all this time was extremely difficult. But yeah, settled into a groove. Um, getting things done every day, watching some shows. It's all good. It's all good, man. One day, one day we'll be back out of this and can enjoy the outdoors again. One day. It might happen. We'll see. Uh, if people keep on going, uh, I saw there was a picture today from New York of a bunch of morons uh, congregating at the port to watch a ship come into port. Uh, that that if that continues, we may never get out of this hell. But uh, that's America, I suppose. Canada seems to at least have a bit of a firmer handle on it. Although I don't think uh, that is particularly none of it's good. It's all bad. All of it sucks. And I don't know. We're I'm I'm having a mood today. I don't know why, but we'll. Uh, I maybe it's because of what we we're going to talk about today. So we'll, we'll get to some fun stuff to close the show. Jonas Valanciunas would have been in uh, playing the Raptors tonight. I think this would have been in Memphis, actually. Uh, one of these two games would have been in Toronto. They had a home and home with the Grizzlies this week, which would have been a lot of fun. But of course, that is uh, not taking place. But we'll still talk about that. Talk about JV. I'm wearing my Sharif Abdurrahim Grizzlies jersey today, which uh, I did not think of when I put it on. The the importance that we actually end up talking about it on the today's show but it's i'm wearing it anyway so i'm suited up for the theme uh but let's talk about 
the report yesterday from Brian Windhorst, who's been kind of pushing this a little bit, uh, and sort of the the latest on where the NBA stands in terms of if their season is going to happen or not. Uh, Brian Windhorst was on ESPN doing making the rounds yesterday. Wrote a story about how the NBA has considered the idea of basically making one or two NBA bubble cities where the players who are on all these teams would just like congregate, live, eat, sleep, breathe basketball for 24 hours a day in these little bubbles or whatever. I'm not sure if they're building biodomes or something or what the hell's going on. Um, I don't think it's that extreme. They probably just have like a nice hotel that's sequestered off. But the the idea is to have it all located in a couple cities and then just play out the season from there, play the playoffs and all that stuff. I have so many opinions on why this sucks, but uh, Vivek, let me ask you, what was your reaction when you heard that suggestion come down from Wendy and all the rest of the people that have been talking about it, and uh, do you think it is a good idea? Uh, no, I don't think it's a good idea. I I mean, on the positive side, side of things, I think you know what they're just trying to do is put every possible idea that comes to mind sort of on the table and then slowly by process of elimination try to arrive at something um, that's somewhat feasible. I would put this on the um, on, on the sliding scale of what's feasible and what isn't. I would put this uh, pretty damn unlikely. Um, I don't I don't see, especially when you look at the comments that LeBron has already made about uh, not wanting to play in, fan, in front of fans and this and, the, and that. And so um, in this situation, if you're telling players that you're going to have to go, um, you know, we're looking at maybe a couple months, three months maybe, where they're just going to go back to a hotel room every night um, and on top of the social distancing and everything that they have to do, um, also not see their family at all, uh, I think that's tough. Um, so I think that's a, that's a side that probably hasn't been considered. And then you look at um, again, you know, all it takes is one of them to get infected and then well, you've got a whole situation with all 30 teams now. So, um, or 16, if you just make it the playoffs. So I, uh, yeah, I think it's just, I think we have to just accept the fact that as much as we love sports, that's really not a priority right now. And, um, unless we can arrive at a normal return, it's probably not worth it. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I just, there's so much about this idea that I think sucks. First of all, the family aspect of it. Like, I'm assuming these players would be going by themselves to, and again, this is like big three shit, right? Like, this is literally a thing that Big Brother and the big three are doing in concert. I don't know if the NBA should be delving in as good as that idea is and i'm gonna watch the shit out of it as good as that idea is i don't think the nba should be doing that kind of thing it's just sort of smacks of desperation to me and 
my thing with the NBA is like, yes, obviously gate revenue for the playoffs matters, and there's going to be a big hit to the salary cap next season if they don't finish up the season. There probably already is going to be that anyway, but like everyone else is dealing with it too. There, there are things you can do. You, you can, whatever, you can work around it. You'll survive if the salary cap goes down a little bit. You don't make every last penny you're supposed to make, but the NBA has money they have their tv deals they are not like hard up for cash the way say like the nhl definitely is in the nhl i mean they are the league that i would expect these sort of desperate cockamamie plans to come out of because they need to play their playoffs otherwise they don't have any money because that's where they make most of their money and so i i just i don't really yeah, that credit line just got expanded up to 1.2 billion. Exactly. So. Like they have a lot of money, they're fine. Unless you're Tillman Fertitta, you're going to be fine. <laughs> Which and if Tillman Fertitta has to sell the team, then that's probably a good thing anyway. So I I just the NBA doesn't need to resort to this sort of desperation, right? And I just the it's the it's the family element assuming you're putting all these players in one place, taking them away from their families. That sucks. How long is this going to take this like quarantined basketball utopia? This is going to take at least a couple months to play out, you would assume. There are not going to be fans, which if you're looking for like actual playoff atmosphere basketball, you're just not going to get it. I think it'd be a fun novelty for like two games to watch yeah. it without fans and to sort of see, oh yeah, you can hear the coaches calling the stuff out and all that, but it would get really old really quickly to me. And I feel like you're just like really bastardizing the product. If you do have games without fans that you're just like earnestly leaning into, you have it for your entire postseason. The postseason is about insane crowds. The postseason is about home court advantage meaning something and earning those those home court games throughout the regular season. And if you can't reward teams with that, then I just I don't really understand the point of doing it at all. And then you get into the whole side of like, where do you even hold it? The states right now are an absolute shit show. They're like, there are new epidemics or not like epicenters popping up every single day. New York's a nightmare. Florida's a nightmare. The whole West Coast is a nightmare. Chicago's about to be a nightmare. All the main cities you would think you would hold it are about to be completely overcome by this thing. And then you're looking at, okay, in theory, based on the way the countries are handling it, Maybe Toronto's the best city to do it in just because Canada seems to have a little bit more in terms of like a plan of how to manage it and a more of like a functioning health healthcare system than the States has. But then you're in the thing of like, okay, the borders are closed right now. Is it really essential travel for basketball players to be coming to Toronto to play this like weird quarantine tournament? I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. I think it's just so outside of what the NBA needs to be doing right now. And honestly, I'm at the point where as much as I love basketball, I don't want, I don't love it enough for it to come back in this sort of like half-assed form. And I'm kind of getting to the point where I think they should just like call it and admit defeat and just say, okay, we'll see you in October for the next season. Sorry, there's no champion this year. Maybe that's like too pessimistic and maybe people listening to the podcast are sad to hear that. But I just, I think it's really all pointing towards that being the end result like the olympics just got postponed they're in late july and august if you're not playing by then what are you even doing man like i don't know where where are you at on like whether they should just call it and cancel the season obviously they're going to wait and see how things develop because they don't want to you know prematurely throw away money but I, i just i don't see a path forward if you listen to any of the science if you read any of the smart people covering this this is not going to be over in time for basketball to matter again anytime soon uh, yeah, I, I do think in terms of them making an official announcement, I think some of that might just have more to do with, uh, you know, trying to appease stakeholders and showing that they're making every effort to try and make the league happen. I, I think uh, 
know, at least by delaying the announcement, they can sort of present that front. I, I, I do think ultimately, you know, you're going to get to at least in July where we are not going to see any sports and then they're going to say, okay, well, now we've got to think about the draft and summer league and uh, training camps and sort of move on with next season. And maybe that's when they say, okay, you know, it's really too late to do anything now because, like you said, the Olympics has been postponed. Uh, Wimbledon uh, made a statement last week that it's very unlikely that uh, this year's edition will get played. Um, they'll probably make it official this week uh, that Wimbledon will be cancelled. So this is, these are events that are supposed to be in June, July, uh, into August. So, yeah, I, I think at, at this point... It, it's hard to see the season resuming. Um, but yeah, I think more than anything, they're probably just uh, trying to appease the people that they need to in terms of at least making every effort to show that they're trying. Yeah. And I, like you, you should expect that. And I, I don't begrudge them for doing that. I suppose it's just, uh, it almost feels like people are being led on to the point that it's just right. uh, like, I don't know who's, I don't think any stakeholder is naive enough to think that, this is likely to happen anyway, right? Like the stakeholders are in the same world as all of us and they can see, you know, whether it's the, the TV, like the, the, the rights carriers or the sponsors or whatever, like they are all in the same boat and they can, I think probably see the writing on the wall too. So I don't know. I, I just, it's, it sucks, man. I don't want to be watching reruns of old games for the next six months, but I feel like we're probably destined for that. And it's somber to think about. They're not being a champion. It's kind of in a weird cool fun way fun to think about the raptors being defending champions again going into next season (laughs) but like yeah it just it feels so unlikely to me and such a reach to think anything competitive is going to be played and and these ideas like the like the sequestered bubbles and like i know windhorse has been a big big on this he's been talking about how china is trying to do this as well and like china's already hit hiccups in how they're trying to bring the cba back i mean or the cbl whatever it is like they are still not able to get all their players together they had to postpone their start till March, may 1st because of just like, like all the problems and all the hiccups and the obstacles you have to go through to get something like that put together uh, i just it sucks man but we'll be watching like rerun there was a rerun this morning of hawk spurs on, from earlier this season on nba tv canada uh and like it was a fun game the hawks came back and won late but like if that's what we're already at I fear for what is going to be on TV in like June and July because I don't think it's going to be real actual NBA basketball games. And that's a bummer, but I think that's kind of the, the reality we have to live with and start to accept. And the sooner we accept it, the sooner we'll be able to move past and go through all the stages of grief and all that stuff too. Um, we're going to continue on and maybe talk about something a little more nice and lighthearted uh, in the form of uh, a large Lithuanian center in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about Postmates. From an early morning breakfast burrito to a 12-pack of beers while you watch the game, sometimes you just need what you want delivered fast. And that's where Postmates comes in, especially right now at this time where you're social distancing and you can't actually go out to go pick up these things. Ask Postmates to deliver all of the essentials for you. If you're like me, you probably start thinking about what to eat for dinner while you're still eating lunch. I love food, and that's why I love using Postmates. They deliver food from every restaurant I can think of right to my door, but Postmates doesn't just deliver burgers and sushi. They actually have made life easier with grocery delivery and whatever you can think of delivery too. Convenience store 
stores, clothing stores, you name it. If they're open and essential services, Postmates can get you covered there as well. So no more trips to the store, no more late night fast food runs, no more having to worry about, oh, am I going outside? Am I social distancing? No, just social distance at home, stay inside, have Postmates bring it to you. Just make sure you're tipping your drivers very, very well in these trying times. Just download Postmates on iOS or Android, find your favorites and get anything you want delivered within the hour. For limited time as well, Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start for your start your free deliveries, download the app and use code LOCKEDONNBA, all one word. That's LOCKEDONNBA at the promo code BAR for $100 of free delivery with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's uh, continue on here, Big V. We've left the sad, uh, just like morose talk of the season that is surely doomed in our rear view. And uh, let's talk about something nice and fun. You know what is Falanchunas, huh? He was uh, supposed to get his, uh, he's not getting a ring, I guess, but he was supposed to make his return to Toronto, uh, where he rightly should have been getting a ring this week. Obviously not happening with the season being canceled and whatnot. But I, uh, you suggested that you wanted to take some time on today's show to talk about Jonas Valanciunas, which I think is nice because Jonas Valanciunas, as uh, polarizing as he was as a player and as I think necessary it was for the Raptors to deal him for Marc Gasol last year to complete the team that needed to sort of that you just like put the finishing touches on the puzzle or whatever. I think Jonas was, uh, you know, he's like an all-time great Raptor. He's like a top 10 Raptor of all time. I think I had him like 7th or 8th on my all-time list. And he's he's wonderful. Where are your, where are your feelings on Jonas Valanciunas right now? I, I honestly, like, it's funny to me watching Grizzlies fans kind of go through the th- same thing Raptors fans went through with him. That's my sort of biggest takeaway is watching like the, oh, he should be starting. He should be getting the ball more or no, he should be on the bench and there's nothing in between. Um, and that's kind of going on now. But I don't know, Big V, what have you observed from Jonas Valanciunas this year? What do you miss about Jonas Valanciunas now that he's no longer on the Raptors? Um, yeah, I, I always enjoyed Jonas Valanciunas uh, in terms of his personality, in terms of is scoring in the post, uh, like, and you know, for all his defensive, uh, you know, misgivings, I, I, I think you know, at the end of the day, I think this was a guy that sort of gave everything he had, and I think he was also in this unfortunate situation where he came into the league, and that's exactly when the league sort of metamorphosized into what it is now, right? And, you think about when he was drafted at the time, the centers in the league were, you know, you, you think about Andrew Bynum was playing for the Lakers in the finals. You think of Kendrick per- Perkins, you think about Tyson Chandler uh, sort of manning things for Dallas. And those were the type of centers that were in vogue. And that's what the Raptors were trying to make Jonas Valanciunas. And then things sort of transitioned and then they tried to turn him the other way. And so I, I think that was, uh, that had some, uh, something to do with maybe why he wasn't where the Raptors needed him to be. 
But overall, I think he's someone that always gave his best for Toronto. You think about uh, that that first playoff series against Brooklyn. I mean, he was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you think about the big games he had in that Indiana series where uh, you know Larry and DeRozan had their struggles, and he came up big. Um, and really seemed like he found a groove uh, going into that Miami series as well uh, until he got injured. So I think there were a lot of fun moments. And even before he got traded, the 18-19 season, you know, I thought that was a really good combo that the Raptors had going between Serge and Jonas and sort of the timeshare they had in terms of taking turns with starting. And ironically, you know, I know we say that uh, there's no way uh, the Raptors sort of get past the Sixers without Marcus All, And that's absolutely true um but it is ironic that probably Jonas's best memory uh, from that season was that game against Philadelphia <laughs> where he went off coming off the bench right yeah um and, and sort of taking it at everyone so um yeah he was super fun um and in the locker room I, I think he was such a bright spot for the team uh and you know you think back to Kyle even talking about how you know once DeMar was traded uh him and Jonas were the two vets on the team, the, the two longest tenured guys. And he was someone, I think, in terms of work ethic, you know, considering the bad habits that he came in with, uh, that people would talk about in terms of his eating habits and whatnot, for him to get to the point where he was in terms of being a true pro, coming in, you know, uh, with his hard hat on, I think uh, there's a lot to like about Jonas. Totally, man. He was so. I was always on the side of like. I think Jonas is kind of in a way like big man Demar in that you're kind of imposing a ceiling on yourself if he's your starting center and you're building your offense around him in a big way. Um, but that didn't mean I didn't enjoy the hell out of the games where he did actually play like the Shaquille O'Neal that some people thought he was. I mean, he would have games where you could tell very early on he was going to punk whomever it was, and usually it was like Andre Drummond or DeAndre Jordan or Andre Drummond. <laughs> and it was it was just really electric watching him, right? Because you could tell he could just get wherever he wanted. He was one of the strongest players I've ever seen. Um, and I, I liked the way that his game sort of diversified over the course of his career too. I mean, he was such like a post-up heavy guy early on. And this was like coming out of the draft process where everyone, where he took that year in Europe before coming over and everyone was like, oh my God, this guy's like Joachim Noah. This is going to be incredible. And he was like kind of not that at all when he came over and was just very post-up heavy. They kind of asked him to beef up and, uh, and it didn't quite work for him because the game pivoted, you know, league wide very shortly after he kind of came into the league. But I thought he did a good job of figuring it out and sort of finding a way to to fit in. And, like, he became more of a role man as his career went on. And he was just, like, absolutely unstoppable as a role man, I recall. Like, he uh, it was just, like, maddening to see all the post-ups when it's like, this guy scores, like, 1.4 points of possession when he's the dive man. <laughs> and yeah. no one can stop him no matter what. Like, he's not going up and, like, throwing down alley-oops or anything. He's just a monster with soft hands and no one can really keep a body on him. And he was just, it was just easy buckets every time. And that was really fun. And I, I just, those games where he went off were just some of the most fun Raptors games there were because it just felt like it inevitable that he was going to score whenever he got the ball. I mean, you would have like these crazy 10 of 12 shooting lines, you know, 15 of 17 or whatever the hell, uh, and completely punk dudes. There was that game against the Pistons, I remember starting off. 
I think the 2016-17 season when he like dunked on both Andre Drummond and Boban in the same game and had like 31 and 17. And that was like, oh, Jonas is ready for this season or whatever. And it didn't quite pan out in the way that it started. But I thought by last year, he really had matured into a really nice player. His playmaking could come a little ways as well. And he could kind of make those reads on the short roll and things like that in a way that he just couldn't in earlier playoff series when, you know, the Raptors kind of needed that from their center because of all the attention Kyle and DeMar would get. But um, it is a bit of a shame that we didn't get to see like that fully formed version of Jonas ever return from that in- injury he sustained against the Warriors. Because I, I, look, I, I think it's probably fair to say the Raptors don't win the the the, the title without Marcus Saul. I, I don't. I like. I think that's pretty clear at this point, especially for for what he does against uh, Embiid. But like, I don't think they would have been completely screwed if they had Jonas against the. Sixers like I mean Jonas is a guy who could easily score in a way that very few players in that Sixers series could for the Raptors right it was kind of a way to break a break open the offense break open the defense in a bit of a different way if you have that big man you can kind of throw it to and either post him up or have him as a role man and that they didn't really need that obviously from Gasol Gasol was just kind of spacing and shooting threes and that was nice and he would pass and, and whatnot and his passing opened up a lot but I don't know. I'm curious to see what it would have looked like if Jonas had played for the title run team and gotten a chance there. And uh, I'll always be a little bit mad that we never got to see one more game from him. And our last image of him in a Raptors jersey is him like wailing in pain after getting his thumb amputated by Draymond Green. Um, that that was always a bummer because he was supposed to return that night, right? Like the day he got traded was when he was supposed to come back in Atlanta. And that was why they had, like, no players on hand because they were both waiting for the guys to come back from injury, then traded everybody, then had to do all that cap uh, chicanery to drop all the money to make it work. And that was just a strange day overall to say goodbye to Jonas, have the excitement of Gasol coming in, have Siakam go off the way he did that in that game too. Just a very strange last day with the Raptors for Jonas, and it's a bit of a bummer it ended the way it did. Yeah, you know, I I think... In terms of what the Raptors could have accomplished w- without that trade, it gets interesting when you also remember that, okay, so now you also still have DeLon Wright, you know what I mean? And you think of Fred VanVleet's struggles against Philly, and now you have someone with DeLon Wright's length. Um, and then, you know, you, you think about, okay, what if maybe, you know, CJ Miles got going and he, he was knocking down some threes. That, that's kind of what the Raptors struggled with, right, in that Philly series. Um, just not having a bench that could make enough shots. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think it's an absolute. The Raptors definitely don't win the championship um, without the trade. Um, I think, you know, we saw what happened with Mark, and so it's easy to assume that that's the only way that they do it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think that conversation, there's more to it than I think people sort of give credit for um you know another thing that pops into mind when we talk about is sort of later development is that play where uh against the bucks uh where he gets the ball uh, and you're expecting uh the handoff and he takes it to the rim and dunks it should have got the and one should have won the game with that but <laughs> man how crazy was that play yeah that ruled extremely hard uh yeah fucking john henson uh <laughs> <laughs> I think his career ended there. Uh, <laughs> almost fitting that he got traded for Andre Drummond at a later date uh, after getting punked by Jonas, just like the Jonas curse, I guess. Um, yeah, so just to go back to the playoff thing, like thinking about it, 
honestly, I think maybe the Bucks series is the series. You know, obviously Gasol's exploits were much more notable in the Sixers series because he just punked Embiid. But I wonder if maybe like the the series in which Jonas would have been more of a liability is not the Bucks series just because of he always struggled with Brook Lopez and that was even before Brook Lopez shot threes um like you needed those those threes from Gasol as well and like I don't imagine Jonas like coasting through the last 15 minutes of regulation in game three on five fouls and not picking up a fifth and not sort of having things fall apart so uh, as much as the Sixers is like the flashy matchup I think the uh, the the Bucks series would have been a real struggle for Jonas in in a in an interesting way. Although I think he would have killed in the finals. Like Kevon Looney would have been Jonas food. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, yeah, very interesting stuff. Cool player, man. I I hope like the the vitriol with which the people on either side of the Jonas debate spoke to each other online i hope that sort of goes away and he can kind of be remembered as just like a really fun and useful and valuable player for the team with who had a lot of really great moments i mean that that pacer series he had a, a few huge ones in there the fact that he got hurt in that heat series when him and Whiteside were like the only two watchable things about it was just like the most that series thing to happen in that series because <laughs> yeah man that was a slog of a series and Jonas made it at least a little bit fun and that i remember was it the overtime, or like it was that it was game one when Kyle hit the half court shot or the three quarter yeah. court shot, um, and like Jonas was a monster down the stretch of the fourth quarter, and then I think was also a monster in overtime and kept them alive because mm-hmm. that was like a really rough shooting night. Kyle's only three was that three he made from seventy feet or whatever the hell, and Jonas kind of kept them in it there, and it was he definitely had his moments, man. And he had other moments where, you know, he missed seven tip-ins against the Cavs. <laughs> and yeah. God. <laughs> that, yeah. That's his lowest moment, right? Outside of the Wasaga Beach yeah. thing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, by, by far, that Cavs game um, is one I'm sure he would love to have back. And that's probably one that you sort of think, what if? But, you know, I think the way LeBron was going, I don't think... The series result would have changed too much. Uh, uh, maybe it would have done something for the psyche, but who knows? All, all that added up to what, what what happened in the off season and what led to the championship season. So yeah. it was all meant to happen for a reason. Totally. And uh, yeah, I think even even you know, I think we've already had big debates about does Jonas deserve a ring? Doesn't he? This that? Um, I think it's entirely subjective. I think. I can say I can completely see why the Raptors decided not to. Um, in my opinion, uh, he should have got a ring because I do think the regular season is a part of the process. And you talk about having home court for Game Seven against Philly. Part of why you had that it was the great record you had while Jonas uh, and Alon uh, were around. So I think all those guys should have got rings. Um, but yeah, again, I can see why that goes the other way too. Yeah, for sure. Uh, he should have got a ring, I think, for sure. But, you know, I get it. I, I feel like had Kawhi not called the season 82 practices, then uh, they might have changed their tune. But I think Kawhi changed the organizational feeling on regular seasons on his own. So. <laughs> <laughs> Blame Kawhi, Jonas. Um, all right. I think that's probably a good place to leave it. Jonas was cool. Uh-huh. The, the Grizzlies-Raptors 
throwback matchups, which was going to be the case for both games with the old courts too. Uh, that is one of the the biggest tragedies of the basketball elements of the COVID nineteen thing is missing out on that week of that that yes. home and home. That would have kicked ass, dude. Uh, I, but sadly, we don't get it. Yep, Hopefully. All kinds of awesome. Hopefully they keep the jerseys around next year and the courts around next year so they can do it rightfully. But uh, Nike loves to make new stuff, so I, I don't think we'll see that. And I don't think we'll see the regular season games rescheduled for uh, late July, early August either, uh, unless it's at some strange neutral site, uh, like in Wyoming or something like that, <laughs> some place not yet touched by the virus. But, yeah, I... Uh, I feel like that's probably a good place to leave it, man. Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Um, yeah, I should have a couple of stories out for Complex this week. One is um, kind of a long overdue one, uh, which just hasn't happened to come out. It's about what sports fans are doing without sports. And the other is the 10 funniest moments of the Raptors season. Hell yeah. I look so, forward to reading yeah. that. Thank you. Does Serge Ibaka factor in quite a bit, I would assume? Uh, He features quite a bit. (laughs) Rondé, Hollis Jefferson features more than you would expect. Um, At least more than I expected going into it. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, it was, uh, you know, a couple of times he was the butt of the joke. But, hey, that's part of the fun. He is not your child, though. That's for sure. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right, man. Yeah, thanks for coming on. FFMJ on Twitter. You can find me at Woodley Sean. Subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast wherever you get your podcast. It's very much appreciated. Uh, and also, if you are a draft person, uh, people know that I'm not much of one, but if you are a draft person and you're looking for good draft content, Chad Ford is now part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board debuted today. You can go listen to that. Of course, the former ESPN draft analyst is now part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. So make sure you're subscribing to uh, rating and reviewing Chad Ford's NBA Big Board and uh, listening on your smart devices and all that good stuff. So thanks in advance for doing that. And uh, that will do it. We'll be back again on Tuesday. I'm actually, I think, finally going to read the Sixers chapters of We the Champs as audiobooks. So that's likely Tuesday and Wednesday's podcast. So keep an eye out. And until then, have a good one, everybody. Stay safe out there. We will talk to you next time with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.